I mean, my heart's beating, my heart's beating, my hands are shaking, my hands are shaking, but I'm still shooting, I'm still getting the headshot, just like, boom, headshot, boom, headshot, boom, headshot. Just gonna send it. Welcome back to another episode of Just Evanson, a podcast from my once again long overdue hiatus. Uh, yeah, sorry guys, you know, life's in the fucking way. You know, I'm not even shooting right now. Like I, I've shot my AI a uh, little bit and I've shot my 25 Creedmoor hunting rifle a little bit. I haven't shot a single critter other than one coyote that was very unfortunate um, for him that day. Uh, but, uh, anyway, so I've been kind of out of the shooting mode recently. Probably that's one contributing factor of why I have not been on the podcast, but tonight you have, uh, one of our huge guests on, I have, uh, our good friend, Joshua Coons from Patriot Valley Arms. Josh, how are you doing tonight? Hey, man. You doing okay? So I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Have, have you had somebody else on an episode since the last time we did one this summer? Yeah. Uh, okay. I think All right. So. Oh, okay. Hold on. Just, Don't get me lying. Hold on a second. Let me look. Let me look. <clears throat> I just want to break sure, your thumbs a little bit here. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Chris. All right. Yeah. So I did a uh, two truck cast and um, another episode of Chris Way since you that is fucking sad dude because we did we're back in august 12th i'm looking at it right here august 12th wrong july 20th um i do yeah and i've had three podcasts since july 20th i'm i'm ashamed of myself i wouldn't be angry or or blame anybody for just fucking giving up on the old podcast because we know i mean we all know there's multiple podcasts out there that just disappear or YouTube channels like the six, five guys, like they just like said, fuck it and drop the mic and left. Like no one, like, I don't know if they're alive or whatever. Uh, Kirk, Kirk with precision was a precision rifle media. He doesn't do shit anymore. Um, I, it, I mean, being honest, not this, this has nothing to do with me or what my absence, but I will say it, it the podcast world, a lot of work. Well, yeah, yeah, but no, the podcast world is, especially for Precision Rifle, is getting fucking crowded. Like, yep. there were, I'm, I mean, I'm obviously not one of the originals, but, I mean, you know, I started mine back, like, before COVID. And then now, since then, there's, like, five other Bamas that are doing, which, mind you, I listen to them, like, you know, uh, like you know, Chris has got his. I love Chris's. Uh, you got Morgan King. I love listening to Morgan King's. And then you've got Chad and Francis. They got theirs, and I listen to theirs. I mean, I listen to them. It's not like they're Johnny Come Latelys, and you know, not, it's not. Stuff. I mean, I love it, but it's just it is getting crowded. And you know, it's it, for me. It's, I mean, maybe it, it's either good or bad that I either 
have a niche in the super niche world of precision rifle, which my niche is, I don't know shit about fuck, but I like to have fun and be funny and, and say whatever the hell I want to say and not give, you know, a fat frog's fuck <laughs> about the repercussions. Cause I, I, there, there are none for me. Um, <laughs> I was going to say for a, for a shooting oriented podcast, I think there's more talk about fishing and jujitsu and shit like that than there is about shooting. Hey, definitely. When we talk. Yeah. Well, and, you know, all right. you want, if you go, if someone were to go back and listen to like, I don't remember if it was the first or the second podcast, the one where I just introduced what this podcast is. I said then, and I haven't, I've, I guess I've partly <laughs> held true to it, but I have, I wanted from the get go, like this is not only a precision rifle podcast. This is mostly yeah. a precision rifle podcast, but I want it to be like the Joe Rogan of redneck shit. Um, and I'm pretty sure I use those same exact words, but not to invoke Joe Rogan's name as I'll ever be as big or whatever as him. But I'm just saying that, you know, he, one guest will be an astrophysicist and the next one will be, you know, you know, lighting farts with a lighter and, you know, baked beans. Which is entertaining as hell. Right. And they're all, guess what? They're all fucking good. All the fucking episodes are awesome. Mm-hmm. And then he'll have some like religious zealot on. And then the very next episode will be a stand up comedian. And the next episode will be a black belt, you know, a, a, a coral belt in jiu-jitsu. It's so, but, and he has something to say it, it, intelligent about all of them. To me, to, <laughs> to all of them. And yeah. that, I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like I can talk to anybody about anything. Um, but you know, it's just, I wanted this podcast to be about not just shooting, but my interest in that I would think other people would also think was interesting at bare minimum to, to hear and listen to, um, maybe not to do themselves, but you know, you know what, it it don't matter, dude, but you got some people who are trying to, now mind you, they're also not the ones with the gigantic YouTube followers or or podcast followers but they say hey stick to your niche you know the people that are listening to you they're there to listen to you for what your podcast is about don't go off tangent about other things i'm like man fuck you like yeah you know i, I like it when i hear people talk about other things especially th- something that i might would be interested in um but it seems to turn into a, like a one-trick pony sometimes when you do that like there's a morning show um up here based out of philadelphia that when I moved from Lehigh Valley to Philly, man, it was awesome. And for like two years, every morning on the way to work, unless I had to call in for some kind of early phone meeting, I listened to them every single day. And then it kind of tapered off. <clears throat> and then I started, I, I moved jobs and I started working for myself. About 10 years goes by, eight years ago, right? Last time I listened to them. And they were on the other day when I was, running errands. I had to go into Philly for a doctor's appointment and I turned on that, that, uh, radio show. And I realized, holy shit, nothing's changed in eight years. And the same damn show was 10 years ago, right? 15 years ago. And you're probably less interested in it now than you were then. Yeah. I mean, I listened to, you know, 12, 15 minutes of it because, you know, it took me five to realize it was the same bit, five more to go. I really want to do this. And, then there was nothing else on at that point. I'm like, Oh, thank God. I'm at 10. I can, I can turn this off. Right. Yeah. You're forced, you're forced <laughs> to do it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It is what it is, man. I mean, um, 
who knows? Nope. It, you know, people are gonna have their opinions. It's like, look, look. If I have you on and no, no one wants to listen to you, they can just turn it off. Listen to something else. I mean, right? Whatever. Or yep. if they don't know who you are, maybe this is a good place for them to find out who you are and what what you're about, what PVA is about, and all that stuff. So it's you know, it's good. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, so hey, what's uh, what's popping, big man? Uh, you know, we are PVA side. We are slammed, which is great. Um, and this, this year has been really weird. And the more people I talk to in the, you know, in the custom industry and in the general rifle and gun retail industry, it's like this year, this, this month we're great. And the next three months we're super slow. And, you know, you can tell that it's, uh, the economy and, it, and a lot of people are going to oh, the market's down, the market's up, the market's this or that. And really what it is, is, when gas is six bucks a gallon and a loaf of bread is five, you, like you're not going out and buying a new gun. <clears throat> you're not scheduling a hunting trip. You're not putting in for out of state tax because those are necessities. When all of a sudden, you know, your gas bill goes to eighteen hundred dollars a month and it used to be six, you're fucked, man. Fucksville population, so, you. Yep. Yeah, and and everybody else who's not worth seven figures, right? Right. So, yeah, it's it's a weird year in business. Um, we've been doing well, and I think that's a testament to, you know, the the folks that we have that are great customers, and the products that we put out are varied. You know, if somebody doesn't need a rifle barrel, or they don't need a muzzle brake, well, you know, maybe they need replacement barrel nut, or they're looking for bullets, or you know, they need something different or there's just custom machine work. You know, like there's, there's ways to do it. You, you have to be a little bit flexible or you don't survive. But at the same time, like I don't do pistol work, right. you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so that's not something um, you want to spend a lot of time and effort. Well, in. well, pistol work is, is very platform specific. And a lot of it is very much fixture specific. So if I was going to say start customizing 1911, I'd have like toolboxes full of fixtures for doing various jobs on 1911. I'd have a huge front end load worth of programming and tooling and all this other stuff to do it on. And and then what am I going to do? Well, then I'm going to step on the dicks of half of the 1911 gunsmiths that I know. And the other half of them are so damn good that, you know, like they don't have to worry about me or any other newcomer into the market. So, you know, that's not a big deal. But at the same time, like, okay, well, then you're spending an enormous amount of time and effort and money, fixtures, tooling, programming, to do what? To, to survive a lull that if you had just hunkered down and done something else in your core, then you'd probably do better. <clears throat> so... Well, and you're in the situation right now, what you just said, though, you, you are, you know, going gangbusters right now and you can't even, even think about accepting some type of work like that specifically when you've got all of this going on. If it was like, man, no one is shooting rifles, the rifle industry is dead. Okay. Maybe I need to pivot and go, Hey, it seems like the pistol game is doing, then you have to, you know, retool and all that stuff. But you know, that's not the case. You know, people are still shooting yep. rifles. People are still competing. Uh, maybe not right now so much yep. because of the time of year and the weather and everything, but, yep. you know, it won't be long. Yep. It, that, that, that does. <coughs> right. 
and the, you know, hunting seasons are going and, and all that stuff is good. You know, it's stuff's cyclical, but it seems like the ups and the downs are bigger this year than they have been in years past. Um, you know, and the, the price of food and fuel factors into that. There's no denying that. So, right, well, this, but yeah, this year, last year and 2020, my opinion, have been the biggest three years of sheer uncertainty compared to anything at any other time right. in our, my and your lifetime, you know, obviously maybe not compared to like fucking world war two or <laughs> Vietnam or whatever, but, um, definitely yeah. in our lifetime, it's, it, to me, it's, it's sheer uncertainty oh, yeah. that we're dealing with <laughs> because you don't know, yep. you got a, a absolute invalid in fucking Washington and then yeah, not much better on Capitol Hill and it's who fucking well and their and their solution is to you know get the credit card out and just keep spending on it and meanwhile the people who are paying the credit card bill you're making it harder and harder for them to pay the credit card bill right you know it's just it's just foolish but anyway not to get too far down the you know well, we can be here all night doing that shit Okay. Yeah, right. There's so much to do, especially these damn Twitter files and all this shit coming out. I mean, it ain't nothing oh we didn't God. fucking know. Here's the thing that we were called crazy assholes last year right. for the saying the same things that now is some big revelation, you know, because Elon re- yeah. releasing it. Like, no, it's just proving what we all fucking yeah. said. What we've been saying since 2016, as far as just social media and blackouts and shadow banning yep. and, and, and just putting a, yep. a boot on the back of the neck of, you know, public opinion and, and free speech. Oh, I, I know our, our Instagram's gotten shadow banned. We have 14.8 to 14.9 K we have for four years. It hasn't changed. Okay. <clears throat> it doesn't matter if I spend money on it. It doesn't matter if you change the algorithm. It doesn't matter if I put videos and reels and stories and tag other people and do a collaboration with somebody. We pick up 15 followers. And we lose them over the next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even have nowhere near that many because, I mean, I'm not really on it, nor do I. It, is it really a part of my platform or what I do? Because I'm not really advertising. I mean, maybe I am. I don't know with the podcast. Maybe it is advertising. But, you know, this is yeah. this is the product, you know, the, the listeners. Right. I mean, not that yeah. it's a big deal, but I just rolled over a hundred and three thousand downloads. Um, so that's that's nice. cool. That's cool. I'm not I mean, saying I'm a big deal. I'm a big deal. Right, I'm a big, well, I mean, when you when you look at it, you know, objectively, who I I, I don't win matches. I'm not a former sniper in the army or Marine Corps or fucking super sneak super super seal. You know. Meal Team Six. I'm 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 none of that, and it's literally just me talking to cool people and me learning, which is what I said out from the get go. Again, what I wanted this podcast to be is uh, this is a journey. This is me and my guest, assuming that I have one for whatever episode I'm using, uh, having a conversation at a bar, and you're just one bar still over listening. You know, that's what this whole thing was supposed to be like. Um, right. So, I mean, given yep. I don't have the, the repertoire of some of the, you know, other podcasts and stuff like that, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with it. 
I mean, it's also, sure. I, I don't have some big production value in my shit either. I mean, you can't get mad at the results you didn't get from the work you didn't put in. <laughs> this is me. Yeah, but it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. yeah. You got to do more than, you know, once every four months. Yeah, dude. Well, and I normally do, but it's just literally been since, like, yeah. well, since July. It's been. You know what I think I'm going to do? <clears throat> I'm going to set up a little bot in my outgoing email box. And every two weeks, you're going to get a nasty gram from me. And I says, yo, motherfucker, did you make a podcast? The answer will be probably not. But <laughs> yeah. it would help change that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, just, I mean, yeah, I could talk to, I, I'm still supposed to get um, you know, Mark from Trigger Tech on, and then the guys from uh, KGM Suppressors want to come. I'm not even sure who it is that wants to come on. Um, I know it's not Adam Peeney. It's, I don't know who else it is. But anyway, so I've got those guys and all that stuff. But as far as me personally, I don't have anything fucking shooting related to talk about. Now, I got I could jujitsu, but I don't think people want a full-on episode related to jiu-jitsu when it's just me if i had someone on that is a you know ambassador to jiu-jitsu or whatever and they'd, they'd like to listen to that that'd be cool i mean yeah well i mean i had heath on i had my black belt on once um and you know i, I would do it again or someone else but uh i'm not going to do a full-on jiu-jitsu podcast when it's just me i mean i'm going to hear that but you know we just had rank review this past weekend so um i got my oh yeah that video was awesome dude jack is a fucking killer dude look so the, yeah. the kid that he, in case no one saw it, I posted it on Instagram if you want to watch it. Um, it was my last post. So uh, at the end of rank review with all the kids, um, we do what's called super fights. So, well, what a real super fight is, think of like a main event of a UFC fight, right? So the whole event is the undercard, and then the main event would be the equivalent of super fight for jiu-jitsu. Like you watch ADCC. Um, which is Abu Dhabi Combat Club. It's the largest no-gi grappling uh, tournament in the world, and it's every two years or whatever. Um, At the end, the very last match is the winner of Absolute Division versus the guy who won it the year prior. That's the super fight. Um, Well, we, we do super fights. Um, in case you didn't know, absolute division is there's no weight class. It is literally, it could be a 140 pound guy versus a 400 pound guy. Like that's what's, that's, oh, what, wow. that's what absolute <clears throat> is. Um, what is it really morphed into though? What do you mean? Like, do you, do you ever get those matchups where like a, a welterweight uh, goes on with a heavyweight? There have been, I mean, um, Marcelo Garcia, I mean, he, he, he won absolute and he was like a hundred and. 60 something pounds. I don't remember. Oh, sure. I don't remember who it was that he went against, but I'm sure it's somebody bigger. He was a little bitty guy, but he was, I mean, he's one of the best in history. Um, he's yeah. absolutely cold blooded. Um, but like this past year, it was, which was a few months ago, it was uh, Gordon Ryan, who's the best nogi grappler of all time. Um, and he's 20 fucking seven years old, uh, versus Andre Galvao, who is the most accomplished ADCC competitor in history because he's gotten more medals at ADCC than anybody else. Um, and Gordon fucking told his ass and it was a big hubbub for a year prior to that. Gordon calling Andre out and Gordon is a very bombastic person. Um, you kind of one of those guys, you hate him or you love him. Um, Uh I happen to love him. I think he's fucking hilarious and there's no doubt he is the best Noki grappler. He hasn't lost since like 2011 or some shit like that. 
Um, okay. Yeah, but he, I mean, is I mean, he is the shit talking to some bitch you'll ever see, and he backs it up. I mean, it's one thing if you talk shit and you're constantly getting your shit pushed in. That's no. He, right. he is literally butt fucking everybody. He's well, he's that if, good. If you're if you're talking shit and then you get it pushed in, I think you qualify to be a cabinet member for the Biden administration. Absolutely. <clears throat> or if you shit your pants in front of the Pope, you're you qualify to yeah. be president. Apparently. But anyway, so yep. uh, but or we steal suitcases. So super fights. <laughs> what we do is at at uh, uh, rank review for the kids. We'll have all the kids make a big circle on the mat, and then we'll basically call out to people to then roll. Uh, put two minutes on the clock, and go from there. Either it ends in submission, or it ends in you know points, you know for position in the two minute time span. And so Jack's got chosen and uh, another kid who we love him. He's got a twin brother and they, uh, they couldn't be more opposite, but they're both equally good in their own ways. And they are a year older than Jack's about, I don't know, eight to 10 pounds heavier than Jack's. And then one stripe above Jack's in, in belt. So they, you know, whatever. In, I don't even time it. I think it was like 13 seconds. Jack stuffs, yeah, <laughs> stuffs a single leg and throws him to the ground, jumps, swings, and takes his back, and then rear naked chokes him for the tap. And Well, and to his credit, Brant, the kid's name was Brantley. He wasn't going to tap. His dad was literally on the other side of the mat, like right in front of him, like literally seven feet from him. While Jax was strangling him, his dad, his dad, his, and um, and Heath, our black belt, were watching. Brantley's eyes were rolling in the back of his head. He was about to go out. Jax was literally about to choke this kid completely out, and they were telling him tap, 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 and he finally taps. But he wasn't going to tap. He was going to make Jax put him out. So <laughs> props to him. But but Jax was pretty fucking cold blooded with it, and it it was really cool. It was really yeah. proud. It was a really proud moment for me. But since I teach the those kids, I can't. I have to separate Jax being my kid and uh, Jax also being another student amongst the class that I'm teaching. So. I I didn't say shit. He looked over at me. I just like a, an old fucking sensei, like give him like a nod of approval or some shit like that. And then I didn't say shit. I didn't smile. I didn't do anything. When he got in the truck, I was like, dude, you dude. Yeah. I was like, dude, if I had a PlayStation remote and I could control what you did, I would have done nothing different than what you did on your own. I said, dude, you did everything right. I mean, the way he stuffed yeah. the takedown, the way he spun, took his back, sunk in the choke, and held it. and it, it was beautiful, but it was like all of like 12, 13 seconds. It was the fastest sub of the night. Um, nice. Yeah, and he was the youngest and the lowest belt to get a sub. Um, but it was a proud moment for me, and it was fun, and I loved it. But, um, That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> But uh, we're not here to talk about jiu-jitsu. So uh, if you like it, great. If you're tired of it, it's over with. So um, anyway, so we're going to talk uh, a, a little about a couple things that one needs to be said and, and explained, and then the other is kind of a, a really a, a hot topic going right now, which is barrel cleaning. Let's start with that one. So, Sorry, barrel cleaning. All right. All right. So, so you a gunsmith. Before we go on, you're a gunsmith. 
you are not a barrel yep. manufacturer. You are not a guy. You're not Remington selling guns. You are the guy who cuts the barrels and knows, you know, when a barrel comes back to you for one reason or another, if it does, you're the one looking at it, inspecting it. And, you know, you are the person. Yeah, so we're, we're, uh, we're pretty vertically integrated at this point, but, you know, yeah, to your point, we're not making 300,000 Remington 700 barrels and six calibers a year where, if somebody comes back with a problem, we pull one off, throw it in the bin and put a new one on and ship it out. Don't even look at it. <clears throat> right. Um, that's not what we do. And if I, what I've noticed, if, if I, that, if I had a barrel cleaning question, like if I was like, all right, I've got my gun, I've shot it. Now what the fuck do I do? Especially yep. given that it is a, a, let's call it a custom <laughs> gun. I'm not going to call rock Creek. I'm not going to call, AI. I'm not going to call, you know, Zermatt or Impact. I'm going to call my gunsmith. So you... No, you call, yeah, you gunsmith, call the guy who, who cut the, the barrel. Chips out of the barrel. Right. So you're yep. the person, if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm calling to get guidance from. So right. just everyone yep. listening to this, you know, take that into consideration that this isn't a, a barrel cleaning product company. And this isn't a, you know, a barrel manufacturer. This is the guy who gets the, the gun and gets the barrel, cuts it to what y'all have agreed to, and then the the name of accuracy is, it will be the accuracy or the lack thereof, well, it always gets aimed at the gunsmith, right? So Yeah, right. <clears throat> when the brass is, the necks are too thick and a, and a great gun goes from shooting great to shooting like shit, gunsmith's fault right when you get a bad batch of bullets it's a gunsmith's fault yep. you get a bad barrel blank it's a gunsmith's fault you get a shitty barrel job well that one's a gunsmith's fault fault too well so. an example of that and not that i blamed you the gunsmith what you did wrong because you didn't but when if everyone remembers i had that 25 br that i was shooting the blackjacks out of and I couldn't get that fucker to group for shit. Like, I literally could. I, I thought it was a cartridge issue. Like, okay, this is just obviously too heavy of a bullet for this to work well and shoot good groups or whatever. So I sent you the barrel back to say, hey, punch it to, to Creedmoor, and I'll just have a second 25 Creedmoor barrel. And then I get my 25 Creedmoor barrel now. It was a BR. Now it's a Creedmoor. And the group's like didn't improve i was like yo what the fuck and then come to find out it was the lot of bullets from blackjack per blackjack (laughs) before they went tits up and took everybody's fucking money um oh did they go uh, i didn't know they were not that was miles okay now logan just basically washed his hands of it because he was i mean he knew he saw the right on the wall he saw what he was doing he miles lost his fucking mind like literally and uh yeah and like embezzled like almost a million dollars out of the fucking company and, and oh so, my god yeah, so me included i've lost five hundred dollars and there's people who probably spent twenty five hundred dollars on bullets that they are wow. never going to get in money that they'll never see again unless they file some yeah. class action shit but you know what Fuck. yeah but they'll yeah i'm not yeah, yeah. i mean the, the only people that, are going to win in that one's an attorney right <laughs> but the thing is too there's no money to get back like all he's right. like i'm bankrupt and then maybe, you know, maybe there's like some legal, like criminal, you know, actions to be taken, but there's no, you know, honeypot of money 
to be sending out to all the, the disgruntled customers. No, you ain't getting shit. Right. But yeah, I talked to them and said, hey, this I, I don't know what the fuck's going on, man. I can't get these fuckers to group for shit. He said, tell me what lot of bullets it is. And I'd read him the lot number. He said, yeah, do me a favor. Send me that lot back. I'm going to send you a different lot of bullets. We've had uh, a couple people that might have experienced some accuracy issues with that lot. I was like, yeah. you know how much money in fucking powder and primers I've spent trying to get this shit to shoot? And then I had a 25 BR that now is a Creedmoor. I can't go back to a BR. I have to get a whole other barrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but then the new bullets I got, I mean, they shoot fucking great. I'm still, I still have some, like, like 700 of them. I'm like yep. hoarding them now. But, um, Smiggling them. yeah, dude, but, uh, you know, it's, but it, again, it was not the barrel. It was 100% the bullet's fault. And that thing that happens, you know, yeah. you got hornady <clears throat> yeah. bullets that blow the fuck up. I actually had two burner right. bullets blow up in a match. I had two 135 grain, 25 Creedmoor barrels, uh, barrels, uh, bullets blow up at a match. Jeff watched it go poof. I didn't see yep. it. I was like, what the fuck? I don't know where that went. And then after the stage yeah. was done, he was like, "Dude, your your bullets blew up in midair." I said, "Son of a bitch," yeah. you know. But shit, well, I mean, you know, you know, yeah, I mean, ten, eleven, twelve. Holy shit, twelve years ago now, when the three hundred burger three thirty eight came out, the first one, the BC was screaming high, and we tested them this way till Sunday, and all this stuff, and these are awesome bullets. And then guys who shot them in Lapua Magnums started to have some problems here and there long barrel guns stuff like that <clears throat> but the guys with let's go mag and prove and 338 shatac and 338 snipe which is the shatac and proof all of a sudden those guys are like nope this bullet sucks the only way i can get it to shoot it shoots better elevation numbers and more consistently at 2800 feet per second than it does at 3100 feet per second mm. and burger had to walk that one back because they had put so much nose on it that they had a bunch of lead up in the nose <clears throat> right and, and when you pull the trigger at three thousand feet per second yep they had no slump problems so i mean it, it happens to happens to a lot of people um and i didn't know that <clears throat> and everybody who's listening is probably gonna gonna laugh at me i got uh i got something going on we came home from daycare that uh, i don't know if it's strep throat or what but my voice is going to give out in you know half an hour um but I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that blackjack went tits up, yeah, they did. but they were getting stuff made by Sierra and they're not the only people who had batches of bullets that went bad stuff that wouldn't get warranted. Um, you know, I know an ammunition company that got 400,000 six and a half millimeter bullets that were supposed to be 130 that got switched to 140. And when they got them, they were 27 caliber bullets, not 26 caliber bullets. And they went to, they, you know, apparently the company that was loading them opened the box and was like, these look kind of funny. And the machine starts to jam. And somebody had taken 27s and 26s over Sierra and just poured them together. Well, I mean, still so, that, but Sierra, like, just, you know, bullet QC be damned. They just literally went against their contract with Blackjack. Like, that was the beginning of the end for Blackjack was the fact that Sierra had a PO for X amount of bullets that they were just like been paid for that Sierra's like, yeah. nah, 
no, we're not going to do them. We're 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 making right. too much money right now on selling ammunition because ammunition is crazy expensive right now, and everybody's hoarding it and buying everything, and then you know the whole shortage, uh, <clears throat> ammunition shortage or whatever. So they literally were like, "Yeah, we're not going. We'll get your bullets when we feel like it." And that was like the beginning yeah. of the end for them, and that's just when everything started snowballing. And you know what? Yep. You know what? Fuck Sierra. Like literally, with glue in their mouth, fuck them. Because it isn't. It isn't just. It it isn't just uh, blackjack. They fucked. They fucked tub. They fucked everybody yeah. that that they had contracts with. I mean, mm-hmm. and how they weren't. I think it was a management change in in like early twenty twenty, yeah, mid mid twenty twenty, something like that. Fuck what it was. Yeah. Bama's that that. That's <clears throat> I'll never buy shit from fucking Sierra again. Like. Never. Yep. I'll never buy a shit, a, a bullet from Sierra, ever. Um, and, I mean, really, I mean, Sierra's, not to mention, they're just a f- have fallen behind in bullet design, bullet technology, and, you know, they're too busy pumping out 175s and 168 match kings for 308 and ammo and shit and some some pistol bullets or whatever. But they, they don't care. They, they I really don't think they give a shit. Yeah. I'm, I'd be surprised. Yeah, that's they a big just, problem. I just, I'd be really shocked, or would not be really shocked, if they just were like, you know what, we as a company have found that we are just getting out of the loose bullet market for the reloaders. We're only going to be concentrating on, on, on loaded ammunition. Well, I would respect that more than <clears throat> dicking everybody over. How about you fill your orders out first, what you, you said you would do, and then right. And then do that. I'd, I'd respect that. Like, hey, look, man, you know, it ain't tricking if you got it. If you're making all that money doing that, then you know, do you. But right. there's, that's not the case here. But we're getting off topic. Yep. So, okay. Anyway. We got. So, clean and barrel. Clean and barrel. <clears throat> so, so, I think last time we talked, I told you we were going to bring out this new product that was an end cap put on so you could soak a barrel. The Jimmy cap. So, we Yep, so we did that. So it's the, the muzzle jimmy, right? And, uh, <clears throat> and you know, there's lots of people who had choice opinions to say to make fun of it. Um, you know, the Internet's full of people who, until they need the tool, the tool is stupid. And then when they need the tool, I can't believe you don't make this anymore. Well, you know, people didn't buy it, so we stopped making it. Um, I still haven't got one. But yeah, so, I want one. Uh, all right, well, I'll send you one tomorrow. <clears throat> Shoot me a text tomorrow. I'll send you one down. Copy. So, so we, uh, we, you know, we did a bunch of testing with them, and I had some local guys that were like, you know, this barrel's not shooting. I think it's shot out. And you look at it, you could mine coal off of the the inside of that barrel. Right. There's so much carbon fouling in there. So we had one. First one we did like this. It was shot suppressed for. 20, 1900 rounds, I think. It's a six five by forty seven. Mm-hmm. Which shot like an absolute is dirty. You typically a yeah. forty seven shoots Varget, and Varget is notoriously yep. dirty. Yep, and I don't remember if the guy said he was shooting forty seven with Varget or if he was shooting forty three fifty. I mean, it might have been a mix of both because that's what he had. But you know, okay, so it is what it is. They both are fairly dirty and bargains worse than 4350 but they will both make a carbon ring like nobody's business oh yeah so <clears throat> we got the thing yeah i need another barrel okay so we make the guy another barrel and we had the takeoff 
And I told Ben, I was like, let's just, let's just see if this thing comes back. All right. Cause 1900 rounds on a 47 shouldn't do that. No, no, it, it, it should be more like 2,500, 2,800 rounds before we start to see some problems. And with the Ospreys, we're seeing six by 47s and six Creedmoors that go 25 to 2,700 rounds Holy shit. in match use. Like, yeah, like 112 match burners, one, you know, 110 Sierras, like 110 AMAX or ATIPs rather. Large the, the heavy shit. Yeah. 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 Like the heavy match bullets at 3,000 to 3,020, those, those guys are getting 25 to 2,700 with them. And what's the kicker? Well, you take care of it with, with the cleaning and you know, you don't go 950 rounds between cleanings and then, Oh shit, look at that. Um, but that's not every barrel. That's, that's the seal that's being used on the Ospreys doing that. Um, so there's, there, I mean, there's a whole bunch of shit we've done in the last since August that I'm, I'm now talking about. But sticking to the muzzle jimmy, right? So the muzzle jimmy, we put this on the end of the 6 by four, six five by 47 barrel. Poured in some Bortec Eliminator on like a Wednesday about 3 o'clock. And I took blue painter's tape and I taped it to the side of one of my tool chests. And I was like, all right, I'll clean it in the morning. And, you know, life did what life does. And I didn't actually clean it until Friday morning. Now, remember, this thing was shot only with a suppressor its whole life. So there is a good, solid 16th of an inch or more of baked on carbon fouling. Right? Right across the muzzle. I drained the fluid. The fluid came out, and it went in clear. It came out like Mississippi River water out of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I took a paper towel, and the first thing I did was wipe it across the muzzle to see if it what had loosened up or if it had loosened up, right? And you hear, oh, the Bortec didn't work that good for me, that kind of crap. I, I shit you not. This thing wiped down to where it had like some smears of black left on it in one swipe of the paper towel. The second swipe of the paper towel, the crown looked like it had never been fired. Right. Two batches later, the first one came out and it looked like I, I dipped it in roof tar. The second one was dirty. The third one was almost clean. I put a little bit more Vortec on it because the bore was dry by this point. Yeah, just that's just and, for lube sake, just to get the patch. Right, it, I just didn't want to stick a dry patch in it, right? Put a fourth patch through it, it came out clean. Put the lathe in the barrel, polished up all the smack marks and everything else that were in the chamber from the thing being run, and pulled a little bit of sand out of the chamber walls and stuff like that. I mean, it was it was road hard, put away wet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I gave it back to the guy, and I said, do nothing else. Take ammo that you had loaded for it. Go out and shoot it. I get a text message back. Fuck you. I want one of those muzzle jimmies. The thing shoots one hole again. You know, the, so that's an that's an apology then, right? I, I missed that part. That's the, I'm sorry, Josh. You were right. I should clean my barrel. Facts. Is that how I should read that? Yes, I agree 100%. And, you know, the, the idea of soaking a barrel, um, it, it's not a new, like, concept, but... Typically, people will just use a, a foamy earplug and plug in, and then they'll, they'll like put the the end in a cup, you know, and set it up in a corner of a room yep. or whatever, you know. 
And yeah, that'll work until you got a big oopsie and the damn um, plug comes out or whatever it is. Not you know, yep. it, it's you know, it's a, well. The thing that it won't do is it does not address the crown. The, the crown. So you yeah. can have the rest of the barrel clean, and you can have a fouled up crown, like a really badly fouled crown, and that gun still won't shoot. Right. Yeah. So you know you. Yeah, so so that that kind of drove into. Then we had guys say, "Well, I don't want to take my whatever. I mean, pick a bespoke muzzle device, whether it's a a tomb device for a suppressor or a four nineteen adapter or whatever. Like, literally, every one of them was mentioned. Could you make an adapter for this? I don't want to have to carry seventy five different SKUs no. to clean this thing, right? So instead, what we did was. I took go gauges and I measured the go gauges and then we created the plug, right? Take a bottleneck cartridge and I'm doing belted magnums now. The parts are made. They, they got to go out to anodize. They get a Viton O-ring seal on them and you close the bolt just like you locked the go gauge into the chamber. It squishes up against the O-ring so it seals and you pour the solvent in from the other side. If you don't want to clean your whole barrel, Put in, you know, a teaspoon of solvent, right? The other one, you can just fill that bitch all the way to the top if you want to. Whatever you want to do, you can tailor it. And now you store it muzzle up, you stick it in the corner. The next day, point the thing straight down into a pile of rags, open the bolt, and as soon as you break that seal, whatever was stuck in the barrel under vacuum, is falling right out. Same thing happens. Push patch through yeah, and, so then, and was, then you got to address this. If you're going to do this, then you got to address the actual chamber itself. You're, you're going to have you do. You're going to have to. You're going to have to. Yeah. Well, no, but this is what you're going to do. I, I mean, I, I want to plug too because it's cool. But me, I don't have an issue with taking off a muzzle device. Like I, I'll take the bitch off right. every time I clean it, and I, I like the 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 muzzle jimmy like the idea of that like i because i don't care i can just screw a fucking brake back on or whatever i've got on there i can screw right. it back on i'd like to do a you know wham bam thank you ma'am and and be done with it and you clean everything your chamber right. your muzzle your bore <laughs> patch it out you're done but i this yep. is for the the guy who doesn't be stubborn and doesn't want to take off whatever muzzle right. device and you still get your entire bore will be squeaky clean and mirror finished because yep. that, I mean, it or somebody work. has got a muzzle that's not threaded, you right. know, like yep. some people still order hunting rifles that don't have threads on them. So, you know, this works for the completely unthreaded muzzle. Sure. Um, and, and it like, that's the thing though. It works amazing. And I was trying to explain this to a gentleman on the phone a couple of weeks ago. I said, <clears throat> before we go down, what your opinion is on it or what my opinion is on it or how this works, Tell me how you were taught and how you still clean a barrel. Well, I take a jagger, a patch, and I put the solvent on it, and I put it in the bore, and I swipe it down, and I wait 10 minutes, and I swipe it down again, and that's it, that's it, that's it, right? And then, you know, you got to have a tight-fitting patch. I'm like, okay. So the tight-fitting patch in the bore gets squeegeed out. So where does most of that solvent go? It goes into whichever end you stuffed it in first. And then you're wiping a barely wet patch down the rest of the bore. Solvent, by definition, has to be the thing that is not the limiting reagent in the reaction, or it's a solute. So 
for powder solvent to work properly or copper solvent or carbon solvent or, you know, CLR, whatever it is, you got to get enough of it into that chemical reaction that it actually dissolves the fouling on the inside of the barrel. If you're sitting there and you're wiping it in, you know, two microliters at a time, it's going to take a while to work. And so that's where I think, you know, and I've been branching out over the last couple of months. Every time I go into a gun shop and I see a different powder cleaning solvent that I haven't tried before, I bring it home to see how it works. Well, lo and behold, that most of, most of the gun cleaning solvents that are on the market actually work extraordinarily well for cleaning a barrel. You just got to get enough of them into a barrel that they actually clean. Right. And there's only, so there's we've only been a cleaning that are, are dangerous for a bore. It's very, very few. They would yeah, the it, too. Most of the rest of them, you, no problem at all putting it in there right. on a Wednesday and then going and patching out on fucking Friday or Saturday. I, you're fine. I'll you know? tell you what. I, I am absolutely 0% affiliated with Vortex. I'll tell you why I use Vortex. I was up at their facility four years ago. I went up to go see a demonstration on the CNC lathe. And as I'm walking into the industrial park to go see the machine shop, I noticed their logo on the door. And I was like, I'm going to have to stop on those guys on the way up. Owner of the company meets me at the door. He doesn't know me from Adam. Nothing, right? Super personable people. I couldn't say more nice things about them. However, product endorsement wise. They don't give me money. They don't give me free shit. They don't nothing. I'm, I'm telling you this. This is why I use it. He showed me their product, and I said, okay, how about longevity? If somebody wipes the bore out and forgets the thing, and he goes, let me show you this. And he pulled out samples that were dated, and some of them were back like 12 years ago. They had samples of barrel steel where they had machined them open so you could see the interior. Right, just like literally, cut a piece of barrel steel in half. Yeah, cross section. And 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 this was like, I was looking at a sample that I think was from December of two thousand and seven. Was the date on the bottle? And he goes, "That's been in there since. We don't ever take them out." And I'm looking at it. It's in this jar of liquid. Right, it's sealed, but it's in this jar of liquid. That barrel is brand new. Right. Okay, so I'm like, all right. If somebody leaves this in there for a month and forgets about it not worried about it anymore. And that's why I use, cause I, dude, I forget shit all the time. I got two little kids. I'm busy. I'm self-employed. I got other stuff going around in the house. It is very common for me to start something, put it down and then be like, oh, fuck, that's ruined now. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. I, <clears throat> right. I like to cook. I can't tell you how many times I burn shit because something happens. And the two boys decide that they're going to go play octagon in the living room. And I've got to go break up a fight right about the same time that I got to take ribs off or something like that. Yeah. What gets burned. Right. So that, that's why I like the vortex stuff. That's why I use it. And I thought, man, I kind of wish this stuff was more effective. Well, when you mix it with a, a muzzle jimmy and you let it soak for 24 hours, you can wipe off an eighth inch of carbon baked onto a muzzle with a paper towel. Yeah. We've been cleaning guns wrong for 400 freaking years. Not to mention, it's just, it's really a time saver thing, too. I mean, it's well, literally how many times have you been out there? And, I mean, me included. Like, me, I will, uh, look, I I have a borescope, and I clean till shit's clean. And if that means I, I patch, then scrub, patch, look at it, nope, still in there. Start the process yep. all over again. 
how much time am I spending, you know, yeah. patching shit in, and then I've got a mountain of patches, you know, in you know whatever. Mm-hmm. This is this is my kind of shit. I mean, this is my kind right. of lazy man shit. You take the fucking barrel, put the the damn muzzle jimmy on, fill the bitch up, and clean it when you get to it later. Four or five patches down the barrel, and it's ready to rock and roll. Like that's my kind of barrel cleaning. The muzzle jimmy started like this. We started to see as people were fighting carbon rings out of barrels. It wasn't out of laziness. It was out of I've got to do something because I'm sick of fixing. Excuse me. There's my throat. Mm, It's all good. I'm sick of fixing crowns that got nicked and throats that got jacked up that I've got to go in and relap by hand very, very carefully from a cleaning rod. Every time you push a cleaning rod through the barrel, you run the risk of having something happen. So if we can minimize the number of times that cleaning rod goes through the barrel for every time the barrel's got to get clean, and we can make the forces required on that cleaning rod to go down, right? We don't need these super tight patches where it takes two people with four hands on the cleaning rod to get it through the bore. You are, you are asking for something to go sideways. And let's say that that piece of carbon ring that's stubborn breaks off, it's in the patch, and now you dragged it down the bore. And I saw this. I saw a barrel. I swear to God, I lapped this barrel myself. I saw it leave the shop, and about 900 rounds later, it was a six-millimeter dasher. Guy calls me up. I got a huge gouge down the barrel. I can see it in the bore scope, and I think that's why my groups went to shit, and I'm getting copper fouling, or copper fouling, and, you know, back to the gunsmith. This was there when I got the barrel. No, it wasn't. I'm pretty sure what happened is he got a nasty carbon ring in it and he had a chunk come loose. And that chunk that's almost as hard as diamonds just got a tight patch dragged down the inside of the barrel and it's sharp as shit. So what did it do? It scratched the barrel. Now, I know it didn't cause copper fouling because there was no copper in it. Right, but it was something that showed up in his barrel where the guy was like, this wasn't there, you know, like, I, I, I can't take this. This is not acceptable. And I'm not getting the accuracy that I expect. So it must be something that was wrong with the barrel when he told me to me. Yeah. I can't tell <clears> you <throat> how many ferals I've bent on cleaning rods from one reason or another. I've literally cleaning bent rods, you bent on barrels. Yeah, I have bent the ferals on the end of my cleaning rod. Uh, oh, the feral, the feral yeah, yeah. with the F. Sorry, ferals on on my cleaning rod yep. with the jag. I've bent the threads on a jag, and I uh-huh. mean, everything's still shooting. But I mean, luckily, but it's um, right. But but yeah, and look, it's not fun. Like I'm sorry, I don't give a shit. No one likes doing that shit. It, it is a necessary evil to to clean your barrel. <laughs> but right. I don't care why it was created. This is why I'm going to use it because I am lazy. Yeah. So if if you want, you know, for anybody else, you know, you can, you know, think of any other reason that you like doing it and buy it for that reason. I'm that's fine. But I, David Baker is doing it because he's has rather be doing other shit rather than <clears throat> a fucking yeah. barrel. I I love the idea of all right because I especially I have an AI, so I don't ever clean a barrel with it on my gun. In fact, I literally just this year got a, um, a bore guide for an AI because, well, I don't ever use it. I always take the barrel off and I've got yep. a little stubby. Um, I had, uh, what is this? Swamp, 
what's the name of that company? Swamp Fox or Swampy Creek. I don't know. They make um, board guides. And uh, okay. they, and I had him make me a 223 and a 6.5, but he said it worked great on Dasher, and he's right. Um, these are board guides for barrels off of the gun. So it's a little short, stubby guy. Um, and, oh, okay. Like a threaded thing with four or five inches of stub on it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not even threaded. You just literally stick, it's got an O ring on it. You just stuff it in, and it's cut for basically the length of the chamber. And on the dasher, okay. the six five one is a little long, but it doesn't matter. It's coming out the the uh, breech end anyway. Right, right, um, right. Oh yeah, I see what he's doing. Okay. Yeah, and then I just I clean it there. So this is even easier <laughs> and more appropriate for me shooting AI. My barrels they get cleaned off the gun. So it's literally I unscrew the bitch, fill it up. I will screw the the muzzle jimmy on, fill it up, and fuck with it when I get time with it. You know, and be, yeah. be fine. You know. Uh, this is uh, that's, yep. I can't believe I've, you've had them out this long and I haven't got one in my hands yet, um, because yep. I, this is like right up my alley and I and I know tons of other people will feel the same way. I mean, you you look at Jeff, which shout out to Jeff Trip. His birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, brother! Um, yeah, yep. He um he's got umpteen barrels for I mean different cat. You cut a ball, you know. I mean for his impacts. Yeah. I mean Jesus Christ, he's got forty fucking barrels. And all, like all of them are different yeah. calibers for his impacts, and a couple for his. Oh, uh, I dropped off a muzzle jimmy for him, and I was like, "You tell me what you think about this." I showed him how to use it, and before I was done showing him how to use it, his eyes lit up. And he's like, "Oh, I'll take five. Oh, this is. Uh, if you know yeah, Jeff, I'll I, I need five. two. Yeah, I need two. CL needs one. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, like I don't think CL takes care of his gun, but CL needs one." But this is also applicable to people who don't take the barrel off the gun as well. Right. You can easily yep. use this if you've got a, a custom Remington or even a factory Remington that's threaded or whatever. And the, like that barrel is not, a, a t, especially Tika owners, because that shit's got like 900 foot pounds of torque. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. You, yeah. you got to cut them. But, uh, yeah, you're not yep. taking that barrel off. I got you, fam. You screw that bitch on. Put it upside down, fill her up from the breech end, and it's good. Yep. And and that <clears throat> that's what the Jimmy stick is for. Is it's just a three foot long piece of an aluminum rod, so that you don't have to take it off. You know, one of the things is, oh yeah, somebody's going to shoot this thing off the end of the gun. Well, you know what? It's bright red or it's bright green. So if you shoot it off the end of the gun, I don't know what to tell you. It's a Christmas tree light on the end of your barrel. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Two. Oh my God, it uses so much solvent. Look, I bought the biggest bottles of Vortex that they sell on Amazon. I got, I I think, a 32 ounce or a 16 ounce bottle. I got two of them of both kinds. So there's four bottles of it. It was like $80. All right. I can clean 100 guns for the amount of stuff that I bought for $80. So. If it's so expensive, you should probably find a new hobby because to, to pay 80 cents to clean your gun in solvent, you're in the wrong hobby. Oh, shit. <laughs> right. You'll go and spend, you know, you'll go buy a zero compromise scope or a tangent theta, then you're bitching about the cost of fucking the thing to maintain it. It's, it's, it's amazing sometimes the, the complaints that come in. But that, here's the, the thing that the Jimmy Stick gives you. The reason. I made the Jimmy stick was you leave the barrel on the gun 
And now you've got to try and get the solvent down the chamber without spilling anything on the inside of the action. Good luck, right? If it's in a squeeze bottle, yeah, okay, you're probably going to be okay. Might spill a little bit. But you still got to get it out of the action at that point, right? If it's not in a squeeze bottle, probably should just put in a squeeze bottle. Um, So the dimmy stick is a three-foot-long thing that even on a long action with a 26-inch barrel, it still sticks up out of the back tang by about an inch and a half. So just like high school chemistry class, you pour the solvent down the rod, the solvent follows the rod, and as soon as it's in the barrel, it's not going to spill anymore. Right. It just follows. Secondary benefit of that, yep. Secondary benefit of that is a piece of 316-inch rod in a 30-caliber hole. Takes up like half the volume there. So now instead of spending a dollar on solvent, you only spent 50 cents. Yeah. Well, yeah, and instead of you worrying about shooting the fucker off, you can't shoot it with a big ass rod coming out. <laughs> right. Your bolt. So there's three, there's three perks to the right. dummy stick. Yeah, there you go. My yep. wife might find a perk on my dummy stick tonight. You're married. I know that's a lie. It is hundred percent a manufactured lie. Um, but yeah, so I'm, and, I'm not in a different boat. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm, oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we both married men with kids. So we get it. Um, um, but yeah, it's, yeah, that, you know, the no goal of there is there's no make excuses it easy. now, right? There's no excuses. And like I said, if this doesn't tickle your pickle that you don't have to sit there, Hey, think all the money you're going to spend in solvent. Think of all the money you're going to save in patches, motherfucker and brushes. <laughs> you know, there you go. Yeah. I'll tell you what I was, I mean, not that I've like made a big deal of it, but I was actually sticker shocked Cause like when I brush like my, either my sixes or my six and a half or 25, I use a seven millimeter brush when I yeah. would go on Amazon, which you, you think you buy the cheapest ones on the internet off of Amazon. There was like a pack of like six or seven brushes. And I don't remember what I paid for them, but I was like, fuck. Like I, I use a brush and throw the fucker away. Like I don't reuse it. I, I use it. The bitch goes okay. in the trash. And, and I'm like, well, fuck, I'm spending a lot of money. Not relative. I mean, no, it's not. But, you know, more than I would expect. I'm spending a lot of money. I just spent $3 on a damn brush. Right. Exactly. So, and, yeah. and so I'm, no more brushing. If, I mean, because if as long as the shit sits in it, it will break up whatever's in there. The, the eliminator yep. shit will work. You want to do wipe out, patch out, whatever, it'll work. Yep. CLR, that's it'll why, work. That's why wipe out was so good. It's because it foamed up the inside of the bore and it coated everything. And it and wipeout's a great product. <clears throat> it's kind of a mess. I have not yet figured out how to use wipeout and not end up with it all over my fingers, the bench, the inside of the action, the stock. I mean, it just you know, to get everything with the wipeout, it's it's coming for you, baby. It's a messy job. I don't even use wipeout. I mean, I have, <laughs> I have patch out, which is just a liquid. I don't have the foam shit. Um, which I know yep. that's a very popular, like you said, it's a very popular um, product to use, and it, it works. I mean, I'm not, I don't not use it because it doesn't work. I just don't use it because of the same reason why you just said I'm gonna have shit all over my fucking bench, all over everywhere. I'm like, look, I, this stuff works too. The patch out stuff, the uh, the liquid, yeah. love it. You wouldn't believe yep. all the shit I've got that I that I have put down boards like thorough clean patch out eliminator. Fucking CLR, Croil, 
you name it, yeah. I have thrown her down a bore. And, you know, so now, I, I don't have to buy, and then I'll use all of them. Like, I, I won't not use any of them. Sure. I'll continue to use all of them. Um, and yeah. now, like, as much as I've got, I'll never have to buy a fucking cleaner ever again. Um, yep. So I, I don't think my dad has bought gun cleaning supplies in probably like 25 years. Right. Because 25 years ago, he was on this email list back before forums existed. And one of the old crotchety gunsmiths back then, who is very likely not alive anymore, <clears throat> said, oh, yeah, we used to do this, use this stuff called Ed's Red. And it was four parts. It was like pound cake, right? I think it was a quart of acetone, a quart of automatic transmission fluid, uh, a quart. It was like four quarts, right? You go to Home Depot and, um, oh, yeah, there's like naphthalene in it. But it was like four nasty fucking solvents. It smelled awful. But when you were done for like 40 bucks, you had a gallon of cleaner. My dad still got this stuff. The problem is if he uses it in the house, you know he used it in the house for like four days. Right, yeah. Yeah, the paint starts <clears throat> peeling off the fucking walls. <laughs> right. Yeah, Croil, yeah. dude, I love the way Croil smells. I wish I had a Croil air freshener. Because you, know you know they got Hoppy's number nine air fresheners, which, mind you, they smell like Hoppy's for like 30 seconds, and then they go to nothing. But the Croil ones, dude, they smell so it's, <laughs> oh, Croil <clears throat> smells so fucking good. It smells like Skittles you- to me. I don't know. I like it, or fruity pebbles, or something like that. I don't know. I like it a lot, but mm-hmm. it, it works good too, and it's cheap as shit. You can get it anywhere. Yeah, it's it, awesome. When when it's an all-purpose type product, it's typically cheap. When it's some super specific, this is the best rifle barrel cleaner. That's when shit gets like a a three hundred percent increase of price. Um, so, well, and then you find out that it's nothing more than a. You know, a can of melted Crisco, right? right? Then, then, yeah, the same shit as a Croil. Just smells different, right? And, <laughs> right, right. And but you know, that's just the way to go because rifle cleaning has been a hot topic lately, where a lot of knowledgeable shooters go through their their process, and some people are a little different than others, and some people are kind of the same. And and look, I I listen to it too, and honestly, um, you know, I kind of modeled uh, my cleaning regimen off of kind of a mixture of a couple of people's different opinions. Cause I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I like that. And then, well, so does that. I'm going to try them both. And then it, you know, I get a clean fucking board. It's just, it is pretty labor intensive and time consuming where this is, yep. I'm going to get the same in re- result, but I'm going to get, you know, a lot more time to myself and, you know, less right. color grease and less use of other products you know just more more time to go sharpen your knife exactly people don't know that is but we do <laughs> we haven't told people that joke huh? no no um but you know, so in the plug the plug i'm sitting here looking at it on the website right now and it basically looks like a go gauge with a, a ring on it so and yeah. you've got let's see you've got six gt family vr family dasher family Six five by forty seven Creedmoor family, two forty three two sixty seven zero eight three zero eight, and I see that you are going to have all of the Magnum shit. And there's you're not able to purchase yep. them right now, and two twenty three is not able to be purchased. But it is on the site, 
So yep. yeah, yeah, so it's planned, but it's not done yet. You're you're hitting you're hitting all the uh, all the big the big players, and yeah, if you're shooting some fucking twenty two comet, that's not going to probably be up there. But how, well, how many you know, of those people are fucking needing this shit? By the muzzle, Jimmy. By though. the muzzle, Jimmy. The muzzle. Works on anything. Threaded five eighths by twenty four. You're good. Boom. Yeah, and you know we what? got it in five eighths and we got it in half. Right. I think you could, and I'm not saying you do this because the ROI might not be there, but I'm thinking you could make one for uh, non-threaded barrels, like a clamping mechanism. You you put the yeah, barrel in, and then you pull a clamp over, like a quick release clamp, and it it rings the like the out, outer diameter of the barrel. I think you could do yeah. that. You're probably not going to because there's a lot of more moving parts to it, and I don't blame you. But I think it could be yeah. done. I think it could be done. So the 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 muzzle jimmy is especially effective on AR-15 too, especially guys who are running direct impingement guns with a suppressor, yeah. and you get that carbon buildup in the gas tube. The gas tube, <clears throat> where where you can tell that you're effective on this is the seal between the barrel and the gas tube, or uh, and the gas block starts to leak solvent. When it starts to leak solvent, everything's clean. Right. It's like a timer. So, Bing. right, <clears throat> right, but yeah, there, I mean, the, the cleaning stuff is is pretty big deal. Um, and we just did the Black Friday sale, and part of the the thing to help get people to know what the muzzle Jimmy was is we gave people a discount on the barrels, but every Osprey prefit and Osprey carbon prefit that was ordered came with a muzzle Jimmy. That's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. So, I, from what I, I, what we've talked about, the uh, the black Friday, that's a thirty five thirty five dollar value. Yours free. Just pay yeah. extra processing yep. and handling. Um. No, but I uh, the black the Black Friday sale went went pretty damn good, didn't it? Yeah, it did. That was that was a good sale. Um. You know, we really limited the options that were available which, of course, you know, some folks weren't very happy about. Well, I don't see it on the list. We did get one of those. I think we got three of those. We got somebody who placed an order and said, I didn't see it on the list, so I don't want a 7 PRC. I want it chambered in 7 SDW. Right, and, like, they don't even make fucking brass for that anymore. (laughs) I mean, like, I I had to call the guy, and, like, I don't own that reamer, and it's not on the list. That's why you can't order it. So do you want a refund, or do you want a 7 PRC? Right. Yeah, and you can't you know, like, use that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not doing a sale on something like that. The reamer costs more than the barrel does on sale price. Sorry. Right. But, but no, you, you know, but by and large, numbers. you know, uh, yeah, hundreds, hundreds. Um, and, you know, stuff's going out. Uh, I think we are, I think we in the last three weeks, we've delivered almost 200 custom barrels, like, other than the stuff that was listed as ready to ship, which wasn't a lot, we had like 30 or 40 of them on the shelf. All of the rest of that has been cut since the sale started. Like the day the sale went up, the first orders that came in, Ben and I hit the machines and started just like ripping on stuff because I told him, I was like, we're going to get inundated. If we wait for three weeks, it's going to take us two and a half months to pile out of this. I promise you. Like we've just got to chug through these as fast as possible. Well, at this point, you've had enough Black Friday sales and Freedom from the Crown sales and all this stuff. You know, 
um, mm-hmm. you, you got that kind of dialed and you understand what to expect and all that yep. jazz. How has Ben yep. doing, by so, the way? I haven't met Ben yet. Oh, he's, yeah, he's fantastic. So whenever Jeff finishes his pilot license, you three got a pilot in the airplane and come up here and see the place. Yeah. yeah. I need to make my way back up that way somehow. Um, yeah. All right. So we had another subject that I said needed to be discussed because there are, <laughs> given the hunting industry, there are a lot of misconceptions and myths and, you know, people don't really understand how things work, how they should work and how they should want them to work. And yep. we're talking about <clears throat> terminal ballistics. So one of the things, one of the most popular questions that we get on the bullets that I make, Cayugas for hunting. What is your minimum expansion velocity? That's like the educated, discerning bullet buyer needs to know what is your minimum expansion velocity. That exists. That term exists because Barnes made it up and they put it in all the gun rags and they show you what a Barnes relatively soft copper bullet looks like when it hits at like 2,400 and 2,100 and 1,800 and 1,600 feet per second. And so they, and they've done a great marketing campaign of trying to tell people that you want a rifle bullet to look like that. When in reality, you want a rifle bullet to look like it. You don't want it to work like a pistol bullet. You want a rifle bullet. And and if the expansion velocity was a requirement, the M, uh, what is it? The 855 ball, the original 5.56 ammo, the 2.23 ammo that we shot all, you know, all over Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos and Desert Storm and you know, like we've been using for the last 70 years or 60 years in the U.S. military, all that 55 grain shit would not have been devastating whatsoever because it's, it's a full metal jacket round and it's short and it was made to tumble. Right? We all talk about. Well, that stuff's made to tumble, and, that, and you know, and it works totally differently. Here's what you want: you want a rifle bullet to turn sideways. They're nice and long. They're typically four diameters long. Some of ours are over six, right? So <clears throat> you got a rage broadhead, except you got a rage broadhead that it turns sideways in about two and a half to three bullet length. And when you think about two and a half to three bullet length, what does that look like on a 30 caliber bullet? That means it's six inches or eight inches into the animal. It is fully sideways and it is now 1.8 inches wide and it is fucking up everything it touches. Right. Think of your arrow going 2,000 feet per second. Right. That's... So the frontal area change, it's not like we tell everybody we talk to, Hey, when you load this ammo, please tell us how that works for you on animals. Please tell us how, you know, what the terminal performance is. If you can, I'm not squeamish. I am looking forward to autopsy pictures. When you clean the animal, snap me a couple of photos. Let me see what the damage is. Tell me how it went down. Post-mortem. Because I can go out and I can shoot gel. Gel doesn't have bones in it. It doesn't have wind calls in it. 
it's not 900 yards away and trying to get laid with covered in fur, it's a piece of gel, right? It's a very controlled thing. I want to know what happens on the animal every time. And I'll tell you what happens is they turn sideways, they make nasty holes, they punch through, and you get an in and out trail. Here's the other thing that, <clears throat> that we find out. You shoot an animal flat, right? And you shoot it with a bow. And I've run into this too. They typically have a very small blood trail because they got to fill up inside before they start leaking out of the, the high ribs, right. right? That's why it's good to shoot them from an elevated position because you've got a hole coming yep. from the top and one going in the bottom. And think of a, a milk jug with a yep. hole at the bottom instead of in the middle. Yep. So <clears throat> it gets... <coughs> It gets even worse in terms of following a blood trail if there's only one hole and there's an arrow sticking out of it, right? Then they just don't bleed at all. It's just plugged up. But if you have one hole and the bullet goes in and it grenades, right? Like the the jacketed bullet companies, they want you to, to believe that the best thing is that the bullet goes in and it blows up. That's very effective. That is the best way to get energy transfer. But energy transfer alone doesn't guarantee the animal is going to stop. Because if you've got a bullet on, say, a bull elk, and it goes in and it makes it six inches, and then the bullet totally spent all its energy on the shoulder of that animal, that elk is it's going to die, but you don't get to eat it. The wolves are going to eat that animal. Right. And, you know, like, read the mule deer hunting and the elk hunting groups and the 300 PRC groups and, you know, all of the stuff on Facebook. I won't shoot X bullet anymore because I lost the animal of a lifetime and it blew up on contact and da 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 And the other thing, and I, I ran into this myself. I went out to Montana. I was all primed to be able to shoot a mule deer out to, you know, eight or 900 yards. Ended up shooting the thing on the run. I jumped it out of its bed. I don't think it was 35 yards from me when I shot my deer. <clears throat> so you can't guarantee where the thing is going to show up. So, if, if, you know, you're trying to sit there and say, well, you know, uh, the upper limit on the velocity is 2,400. So the, the deer's got to be at least 800 yards out before I'm comfortable. It's like, dude, you're putting yourself in a window that yeah. you can't guarantee. No, we're close. But with the, <clears throat> right. With copper monolith that has a really long nose and a properly designed tail, you can get that bullet to very consistently turn sideways in two and a half to three and a half bullet length. And then you've got a copper broadhead going 2,000 feet per second. And when the aerodynamics are really good on it, here's here's the, the litmus test, right? These are the numbers I remember off the top of my head because it was the first bullet we did for it. The Barnes 120 TTSX was the gold standard to compare against in six and a half millimeter. So it's 120 grains. It's got a pretty mediocre BC and out of a Creedmoor to maintain that magic, uh, thousand foot pound of energy for killing elk number. Um, and I, that I believe came from like Jim Carmichael in the outdoor life magazine for the last 50 years. To retain a thousand foot pounds out of a six five Creedmoor with that bullet, you have like a four hundred and fifty yard cartridge. Right. <clears throat> to do it now with a really good BC on our one twenty two going the same speed, 
you have a 790-yard cartridge. It's mm-hmm. almost twice as effective. Well, not only that, but back to what you are talking about a second ago, as far as but you, they were, this person was using X bullet, and you know with the numbers they're looking at, they have like, uh, yeah, or not, no, the they didn't the, the bullet didn't do what it was supposed to do. It blew up on impact. So what what was previously the answer to that? If you wanted to, you know, same everything else, you wanted to use the same bullet. It was you have to go up in cartridge to have more. Yeah, power. you go up in cartridge, or you know, like when you jump an animal out of its bed at sixty-five yards, you let it run, and you hope it stops within sight at four hundred yards, so you can take a shot at it. Those are the two options. Right, you go up in cartridge in hopes. You go up in cartridge in hopes that the extra powder and maybe even the extra weight of a bullet. Let's say you go from a 7 mil up to a three you You're like, well, I'm going to get more in, in deeper penetration and more energy. Yeah, you are. You are going to do all that. But now you got to shoot this fucking cannon as opposed to the right. rifle that you, your purpose built for it with the 7 mil, which was plenty of, you know, adequate. It's just... I'll tell you what. A 7 millimeter, just about anything, bad medicine on an elk. We've seen elk taken with six and a half Creedmoor at 500 yards. And this was not trumped up ammo. This was not like, oh, hey, can we manufacture this shot? This is literally, I loaded 20 prototypes, handed the ammo to a friend of mine who lives in Utah. And when we put that same ammo into a pressure test barrel, we fired three rounds. The average was 38.9 KSI. It was soft ammo. You could shoot it in any AR-10 with any gas length system. He put in a bolt gun, and he shot through two elk with it. Yep. You're talking about uh, Jeff uh, Colborne Miracle. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Yep. He, he's a, he's and, a good guy to product test, because that, that son of a bitch yeah. is hurting on stuff year-round. Yeah. Well, and they, they took uh, two mule deer last year with the 100-grain six millimeter in his GT and they shot one at 680 and one over a thousand. They dropped a mule deer buck with a GT over a thousand yards out with a hundred grain bullet. Nice. Dropped it like a stack of stones. So rather shoot a six GT over some, you know, big overboard cartridge or or heavy recalling cartridge and all that. I mean, shit. I mean, I, I was having that discussion with guys today, right? Like, Jeff's a very good shooter, and his margin that he needs to make that shot is a lot different than what many other people do, right? Many other people, that, that was not a possible shot for them. Right. But, the, but the point in all of that is not to say, well, you know, like, a 6 millimeter can do it, and you guys are fucking up by shooting 7 millimeters. Really, what we're doing is saying, you choose the right bullet, and you as a shooter can take the shot, you don't need a thousand foot pounds or fifteen hundred foot pounds or two thousand foot pounds to be able to kill something. What you need to do is you need to be able to place that bullet. And if you can't place that bullet, the then the confidence that that magnum gave you is false bravado. You should not be doing it. Yeah, first learn to shoot. Like that's that's no matter yep. what bullet or cartridge you're shooting. It does not matter. You can be shooting so I, a I fucking howitzer. Teach. Learn to fucking shoot. 
I used to instruct and line coach at several shooting schools in the area that did basic rifle marksmanship. And with very, very few outliers, the bigger the cartridge somebody showed up to class with, the worse the shooter they were. Always. The worse Frank, habits yeah. they had to break. Frank talks about it all the time. Yep. Guy tells me, oh, I'm going to bring my three. You got a thousand yard club? Hell yeah, man. I'm bringing my 300 wind mag. But give me a favor and show up with a 223 and 77. Yeah, I'm gonna bring you will learn more with a 223 and 77. Oh, yeah. My 338 La, La Pua. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've heard, we've all heard, you know, between Frank or Phil or Kalen or uh, Jacob about the one guy who decided to bring for to shoot 250 rounds in a, over a weekend for a course. He brings a Lapua. I mean, yeah. yeah. I went to a, I was out down at, uh, I guess they call it Altus now. Back when I saw this happen, it was, so-called K&M down in Florida. Right. I saw a dude who shot a long action with 180s in a 284 Winchester all weekend. And by the end of the weekend, man, whatever the minimum round count was on the stage, that was where he was at. He wasn't shooting 12 or 14 if he had time. <laughs> he was shooting six. <laughs> right. I don't blame him. Shit. Who, wants to shoot, who wants to shoot that many of the big ass? Yeah. No, fuck that. Yep. That's why so, I mean, that's why I like hunting with twenty five Creedmoor, six Creedmoor. I mean, I have a three hundred wind mag that you cut. Guess what? I don't ever shoot the damn thing. I don't I don't yeah. have the need I mean, I don't have the need for it. That that three hundred wind mag was yep. one of my first quote unquote precision rifles. That uh and my, my three oh eight and my twenty inch Tika. Those are my first precision rifles. I've got I believe less than 150 rounds on that 300. I mean, it it shoots amazing. It's just, even with a break, I've got way more fun guns to shoot and cheaper and cheaper. So if I can get away with, which I mean, I'm talking about just with jacketed bullets. If I can get away with shooting a smaller cartridge at whatever, I'm going to do it. Uh, not that I'm trying to prove yeah. anything and, and quite the opposite for the people that are trying to prove how big a gun they shoot or whatever. Like, no, I just, there's no fun to shoot. I'd rather just shoot with my little six grade more. Or, you know, if I went, if I was supposed to potentially go to Kentucky this year and it didn't work out, um, I was going to take my 25. There's people who are going to be there. Like yeah. I, the smallest cartridge would have been a 30 alt six. But it'd be, you know, yep. 280 Ackley improves. It'd be seven mag, ton of seven mags, ton of uh, now 300 PRCs, 300 wind mags, you know, yep. 338 Federals. and all. <coughs> No, dude, I'm going to take this little 25 Creedmoor and I'm going to kill whatever I aim it at. Um, yep. And, and that's it. It cost me a dollar to shoot. It cost you six to shoot that fucker. Um, you know, yeah. and, and these bullets, one extend range, not that that's what you, you don't ever want to shoot at a long range. Look, if someone's like, oh man, I bet you shoot animals all the time at long range, knowing what I do. I'm like, yeah, I prefer them at 80 yards. I mean, I prefer that I right. can smell them, you know, when yeah, I, yeah, with a head down in a corn pile, like right. a shooting with the base of the neck. Right. Or no, yeah. I know how you guys hunt in North Carolina. You goddamn right. <laughs> if you ain't hunting over corn, you ain't hunting in, in the Northeast, <laughs> 
I forgot who it was. Yep. Was it Stan? Was it Stan Potts or whatever? The big bow hunter or whatever. I think it was him. He had met on one, I forgot where he was hunting, like Alabama or something like that, or I forgot, Georgia maybe. And he had, you know, that dude has hunted fucking everything everywhere. Like, ain't nobody other than, well, Ted Nugent hasn't even gone to places. that He, he just sticks around Texas and Michigan. But no, Stan Pot yep. said the <laughs> hardest places to hunt, the hardest place to hunt is the southeast because, one, it is, I mean, the woods here are, Thicker than the Bible. I mean, it's literally a jackrabbit would shy yeah. away from it. Two, yep. there's so much hunting pressure. Like yep. deer's <clears throat> life from from the time that it hits the ground until the time you know on its feet. It's at the moment it until it hits the freezer. Until it hits the back yep. of my fucking truck, it is on pins and needles. Yeah. And and because there's so much hunting pressure, so many dumbasses out there in the woods all year round, all kind of shit. They're they're so yeah. You goddamn right. I'm hunting over fucking corn. Now, if yeah. I'm hunting out, if I was hunting the Midwest and stuff, yeah, I'd love to hunt these creek bottoms that are all nice and clear and clean. You can see them, and you know they're, they're maybe a little bit less pressured because there's not as many hunters per square mile. Dude, here, shit, dude, you can't throw a rock without hitting the orange hat this time of year. Yeah. So, yep, opening day in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's the Orange Army for a reason. Yeah, right, exactly. And so I, you know, I hate hunting public land. I don't hunt opening day. You know, I try and fill the freezer before opening day or rifle. <clears throat> but if I can't, then we hunt private land exclusively, period. Like, I've, I've had guns pointed at me. Oh, I, you know, I wasn't going to pull the trigger. I was just trying to see what you were doing. You don't have binoculars? Right. Like, no, I mean, that's the, the kind of shit probably, that goes on. And it's probably no. The answer is probably, probably didn't have binoculars. I got yeah. what I need binoculars for. I got a scope right here. That's just one right. thing extra I got to carry. Yep. So, <clears throat> no, I, I, I don't hunt. I've had two deer stolen from me where Pennsylvania has a law that the last person that shoots it, if, that fires the killing shot, it belongs to that guy. So, what these scumbags will do, you shoot an animal. And they'll walk up to it and go, uh, 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 it was trying, it was trying to get up and move. Dang. They shoot again, dude. Hang their tag on it. That's the yeah. most fuck boy shit I have ever heard in my life. Yep. Oh my god! I, I shot one. <clears throat> I shot one on public land. Um, several years ago, I was in at four a.m. It's opening day. I was hunting with a buddy of mine, and we were hunting. There were two power lines that are parallel that are half a mile apart. He was hunting one clear cut and I was hunting the other clear cut. So we got in early. I sat there and I had two alarms on my phone set to vibrate 10 minutes before opening and 30 seconds before opening time. <clears throat> that way I had a, you know, time to reach up and touch the button and, you know, and go 10 minutes before opening time. I see something, a dark spot, 735 to 750 yards, walk in circles, raising in, there's this dark spot moving in uh, um, grass. Okay. But, you know, this real light colored grass. Second alarm goes off. I got 30 seconds. <clears throat> so I got set for the shot and I smoke this thing. By the time I get out there, I literally watch the dude get, walk out of the tree line, look both ways. I mean, I shot this doe 40 seconds into the season. Right, 
looks both ways down the tree sign, tree line. Can't figure out where the shot came from because it was a suppressed gun from 700 plus yards out. Walks over, she's laying on the ground. Plows her with a 12 gauge, hangs her, hangs his hat on. I might have been. She was trying to get up. Bodies. I might have loaded two bodies in my truck that day. <laughs> That's happened to me twice. So I don't hunt public land anymore. I've never even heard of that shit, dude. That is, that is the it, most it is fucking. Some- Cousin fucking uh-huh. shit I have ever heard in my life. Oh, my God. Yep. Oh, yep. man. Now, you hear things like, uh, 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 you shoot a deer, and it maybe it didn't drop, and it runs and goes into, like, maybe another property and is dead there, and then there's a problem with you getting on the land, or let's say <clears> yeah. it was still alive, and then someone else shot, especially, like, which I don't dog hunt, yep. but especially like dog hunters, like, I shoot it and it's still running, and then someone else shoots it. Yeah, you know, we're both shooting at the same right. deer. Same that. I mean, yeah, that that should happen. That's why the law exists. That is why the law exists. So the game wardens aren't out there breaking up fifty cuffs over, you know, me and you shoot a deer two minutes apart because I made a bad shot and you finished it. That's why the law exists. Yeah. But this fucker walks up. I've seen it happen twice now. One one guy stole a gorgeous eight point from me. And that was another long shot. That was a 565-yard shot and <clears throat> across a ravine. And I shot the thing, and it was quartering away from me. But I knew it was going to walk off of the public land and onto the private land. And I shot at the spine from 560, uh, five, 562, I think, or 582, right? So coming up on 600 yards. Dropped it where it stood. Get down, unload the gun put the gun in the case at the base of the, the stand I'm in and we start walking and the, you know, the property owner from the other piece of property is over there. He's hunting with me. We're on public land <clears throat> and we're walking towards this piece of private property where the deer is sitting right on the edge of the public land. He goes, and the whole time, man, I can't believe you shot that far. I didn't know you could even see that far. That was amazing. I got to get you to build me a rifle, right? That's the conversation walking up. We're a couple hundred yards out. And some dude shows up out of this guy's old barn, right? And I'm like, who, who is that? I don't know who that is. He walks over there. <clears throat> the dude sees us coming, walks over to the deer and plows it through the front shoulders of the 3006 and leaves fucking powder burns on the hide. Yeah. It was starting to get up is his story. You know who it was? We're up in Bumfuck County, Pennsylvania, way up near the north, you know, north central border with New York. This dude's brother is the local game warden. <clears throat> I'm going to call the game warden. Well, we would have a problem with you. Game warden shows barn. up. Yeah, well, and that's what it was. You have any proof he was in your barn? Yeah, me and this guy here witnessed him. I don't know who that guy is. I don't give a shit who it is. So it's your word against his. And then he goes, well, the law, he, and he asked me, did he shoot it after you? I said, yeah, it was on the ground. It was dead. He walked up. He, he shot it. How do you know that it was dead? And I'm like, it was laying on the ground. There's powder burns in the fur. I don't see that. Well, he shot it after you. It's his deer. I'm like, you guys are, you gotta be fucking ballsy oh, fuck. to go up there and try and take a deer from somebody who just shot the thing from a half a mile away. You didn't even know he was there. 
God. When the second one happened, I watched that guy shoot the thing. I simply turned around and walked away. And I'm like, I am not dealing with this today. Yeah, you, you want the dose so bad? Yeah. I, you know what? I, I hope it's going to a good home. You need to steal my deer. You have a good time. I hope you choke on a piece of my fucking jacket, you piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, one. right? Yeah. <coughs> yeah, that does take Yeah, I don't, I don't hunt private, public land anymore. I don't blame you. I've never hunted. I don't even know. I don't even know where there is public land around here. Like there, there really is no public yeah. land here. Out in the western part of the state, there's public land, but nothing here. It's it's private, and yeah. if you ain't hunting private, you ain't hunting. Yeah. So. Well, when I was I so the winter of '09 into 2010, I lived in Charleston. I actually lived in Mount Pleasant, and uh, I used to take off every Tuesday afternoon because we were on mandatory. 60. So you could work five twelves, you could work six ten, but you were not allowed to work seven days in a row. You, but you know, by contract, had to take one day a week off. Right. <laughs> I didn't have anywhere private land to take, and everybody else basically. <clears throat> I worked. Um, I didn't work Sundays, and so I would take Tuesday afternoons off. And of course, nobody else can hunt Tuesday afternoon. So, you know, I went out to the government woods and. I hunted and I hunted every Tuesday from like October 15th all the way until the season closed, January 1. I saw two deer that whole time and I managed to shoot both of them. And my, <clears throat> the guys in South Carolina that I knew were like, I can't believe that you still hunting without a tree stand managed to kill two deer in public woods in the low country. Right. Like, I that just, like that just never happens. And South Carolina's got one of the earliest bow seasons in the country. Like that's one of the, there. It's like Kentucky, August. Yeah, right. Like yeah. Who, who the fuck wants to be in the woods then? Uh, yeah, in, in South Carolina, believe it, believe it or not. But mm-hmm. yeah, it sucks in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you, I mean, if you want a, a velvet buck, the two best places to do that is South Carolina and Kentucky. You know, the bow season, elk, I mean, uh, deer, deer season, um, you know, if you're going to bow hunt, I mean, yeah, you're, you're damn near, guaranteed, especially South Carolina, you're damn near guaranteed a velvet buck. Um, yeah. It's, it's so early or whatever. Well, to, yep. like, like Chris Way always says, to make a short story long, you can extend your range if, if it need be, not so that you can shoot further, but that you're not worried so much about, well, I know past, this range, my bullet will bounce off of them like a marshmallow. Uh, you know, right. this, this bullet will will do its job, um, and and you know not only that, you're gonna get some. Or just look at your margins. Look at your wind call margins, right? Like yeah. you said, hey, um, you know, let's say for argument's sake, ten mile an hour crosswinds. I'm in Canyon, and I'm not gonna take a shot at distance past where. 10 mile an hour crosswind is more than a two mil correction because on a deer, two mils with a modern rifle cartridge is probably somewhere around six or 700 yards. Yeah. And if you're two mils at 600 yards, then you're off the animal. So, okay, so let's make it one mil. All right. I'm going to stay within one mil. And that means that I'm not going to take a shot past 450. Well, On that Barnes TCSX at 450, you don't have the energy that you're supposed to for the elk 
it's marginal for the mule deer and your wind cough sucks. So if you, if you hold that same error margin range, right. Or maybe it's not 450, maybe it's 300, maybe it's 275. But if you're using a Cayuga, now you've got the extra velocity because BC is high. So it's less deflected by the wind. It retains the velocity better. So you've got the energy for a longer distance and you've got the error margin in the wind where, okay, I'm not limited at 300 yards anymore. Now on a windy day, I can take a 500 yard shot. Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and the bullet's designed to stay together and it's going to be a 1.4 inch wide broadhead going through the side of the animal and it's going to punch both sides of that animal. Right. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why back when you're talking about like the wind call and everything, that's one of the reasons why I shoot, I hunt with match bullets is they're the most accurate bullets out of my gun. And, you know, I've right. had, I've had great success with, with burgers, with Hornady's, with mixed results with Sierras, but, uh, um, but the match bullet, it's not that the match bullets don't kill shit, right? There's, the, you know, they're going to pencil through, they're going to do this, or they might break up or they, you know, all these things, right? How many fucking people has the military killed with 175 or 168 grand match team since 1965? Yeah, heap. Lots. Uh, <clears throat> right? Yep. So, <clears throat> it's not that they don't kill. And that's one of the things that I keep with our hunting bullets versus our match bullets is I make the pilot band to the base of the bullet right, from where it touches the rifling to the base, the same, so that you could shoot the 122 Cayuga and the 124 Cayuga, or sorry, the 124 Seneca. You can shoot those two together, and you don't even have to change your seating die. All you have to do is take your overall load line different, and they're, they're the same, right? There's, like, n- literally no change on those two particular bullets. But in the 30s and in the 7 millimeters, there's some minor changes. But they, same alloy, same profiles, same setup in the die, same setup in the cartridge. Once you get one that shoots, swapping to the other one is very, very simple. So that if you're in a state that has, like Pennsylvania, has a requirement, must be of an expanding type design. That's what our law says. Okay. I got to cut a met plat on it, and I got to drill a hole in it. And now it's an expanding type design. Bingo. That doesn't mean that the Seneca isn't going to go in. The Seneca is actually more effective as a tumbling design because the nose is like 70,000 longer and it's going to tip in faster. It's going to start to tumble faster. The overturning moment is higher. Yeah. But that's what the law says. Just like Pennsylvania's law where, you know, we have an elk herd. Actually, we have a very good elk herd. Yeah, it's just got some big small. ones out there. Yeah. Oh, shit. Right, I think our I think our archery elk. Somebody just crossed the state record as it's four hundred inches. Yeah, it's a big bull. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but in our law, it was written, you know, decades ago. It says you must have at least a twenty-seven caliber rifle to hunt elk. So thirty thirty is legit. Two seventy Winchester is legit, and I'm sure it was built around the two seventy Winchester, right? Right. But based on the the words in that law, you can have a bolt action or a lever gun or some kind of manually operated firearm in 6.8 SBC shooting 115 Maxes. You can hunt elk with freaking prairie dog bullets. 100% legal. 
you put a copper solid or a 156 burger EOL into a 6.5 PRC and you shoot an elk, you are going to jail. Right. A lot of people now, like uh, a couple of people we know that um, here kind of locally, Virginia, North Carolina region, they're taking burgers like EOL and stuff like that, and they're literally putting them in a drill press and punching out the tips with drill bits. And uh, according that to that, sounds it, like a lot of work. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. And drill bits. I mean, because you like you, I don't have people here use drill bits a lot, but they fucking break easily, especially one that's going to have to be yeah. drilling out basically to make a hollow point. But yeah. Yeah, out of copper and lead, right? Which doesn't chip; it just swallows drill bit. Right. So, but they're but I mean, apparently they have, I guess, decent success. What they say, but you know, I, fuck no, I'm not doing that shit. But I'll tell you what, anybody who does that and is listening on it, <clears throat> here's my challenge to you. You take that and you take our 210 KUGA. I take the Burger 245 EOL and you take the 210 KUGA. They're both a drill bit nose bullet. The 210 KUGA has a verified G7 of 0.36. All right. <clears throat> it's 210 grain. You run the ballistics between the 245 EOL and the 210 KUGA. And now you've got a tough purpose design bullet or you've got something that was a target bullet that you're trying to get it to expand. Right. Run the ballistics between the two of them, see which one is more effective on, on retention of energy, penetration, all the metrics for hunting. Not to mention you can run a bullet and a shit ton faster being 35 grains lighter. Well, Right, and a tailored bearing surface, so it's got you know one caliber length, of be- one caliber long bearing surface with a pilot band. It doesn't have two and a half calibers of pilot uh, of bearing surface, and then you know dragging in the bore. And on top of that, the machine all in the one spell swoop drills that hole and does all of the shape change to to cut the copper to where it is. Right, so these are hyper consistent aerodynamically, which means that they're going to fly the same. Whereas, what, what what like what do you think you're getting accuracy wise by drilling a hole down the open tip of a bullet with a Harbor Freight drill press. drill press? Yeah, the Harbor Freight drill press in a, a you know a Chinese drill press. Right. Yeah, <clears throat> and what's your time worth? Right. right? What yeah. what what's all of that worth versus paying uh, probably thirty five or forty cents? I, I don't know what the EOLs go for, but you know probably thirty five or forty cents a bullet more. Yeah, I don't know either. And another cool fact about the uh, solids is um, I'm going to make this disclaimer. My load information is not good for you. You make your own load information by looking at bookmarks and, and doing all that shit yourself, finding what, what load is safe in your gun. But I'll tell you my experience is you can cook these fucking solids. You can get these solids grain for grain for if you had a jacketed bullet. I mean, I, I've, you can, I have been able to get an extra grain or, what was, I'm trying to remember, I have to look at my book, grain and a half more powder without, yeah. without <clears throat> pressure. And so that, that 6.5 Creedmoor load that I gave to Jeff in the 120s, the 122s was pushing us 122s at 38.9 KSI, right? Now, Factory ammo is typically loaded in the 50s, right? 
38.9 KSI. He was getting 28.50 out of a 24-inch barrel. With a BC, that's damn near the same as a 130 hybrid, right? The AR target. Mm-hmm. Out of a 24-inch barrel, I'm shooting them at full pressure at 30-20. Right. Out of so a 24-inch barrel. I'm getting performance out of a 24-inch hunting rifle. I'm getting performance like a 28 or 29-inch match barrel loaded to the gills. And I'm shooting them where they are hot weather safe, hot and wet ammo safe. That's anything that I'm going to shoot hot and wet. It's got to be safe. I got to be able to pick up that ammo. It doesn't matter what time of year it is or if it's raining or if it's 95 degrees out, I got to be able to put it in the gun and shoot it. <clears throat> and you could in theory, I'm just saying this is in theory folks, only liability problems, but uh, in theory you could cook them faster. Oh yeah. To where so, they're safe in I, like <clears throat> normal hunting temperatures. But maybe not safe in you know for the heat stroke match, you know. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I just don't see a point in that though. No, like, no, for you, what? No, where you put on the gun? Right. Why? Yeah, me, me either. I I agree. I'm just saying that <clears throat> things there are big differences in loading for these bullets versus a jacketed bullet. That's the point I'm making. Is that yeah you. Yeah. We'll be able to get some velocity. Not only do you have a better BC, but you're also going to be able to gain velocity over a like, you know, grain yep. weight, you know, weight bullet and out of a jacketed bullet. So you got to yep. take all that into account whenever you are sitting here trying to crunch numbers on your laptop on energy and wind deflection and stuff. You don't need to necessarily use velocities that are common with jacketed bullets. Um, and even if you did, it's still in favor of the, of the solid, but even more so if you use actual possible velocities. So even, even if you got equivalent performance, equivalent BC, equivalent everything out of the the solids versus a jacketed bullet, the consistency and the structural integrity that comes from them. The, the better accuracy, <clears throat> better long-range repeatability, and the fact that you know it's going to stay together, it's going to turn sideways, and it's going to do shit tons of damage, horrible, you know, to things in the in the body, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big benefit to me. If and if you took a a thirty caliber bullet and you had it expand the way you know a mushroom is, right? Pistol bullets, mushroom because they're like one and a half to two calibers long. The short stubby things, they don't have an overturning moment. They need to open up. Right. They don't create the wound channels that rifle bullets do. Pistol bullets punch holes in things, rifle bullets fuck stuff up. So let's let the rifle do what it does best, which is go fast, create hydrostatic shock, create damage. Don't ask the bullet to behave like a pistol bullet. Ask the bullet to behave like it wants to which is you want to turn it sideways, you want it to tumble, and you want it to hit vital organs and put nasty traumatic wounds in a thing. That's where the, the, you know, that's why when there was the, the, I mean, they call it the Spitzer revolution, right? When smokeless gunpowder came out and and the Spitzer bullets happened, all of a sudden, you know, the seven Mauser and eight Mauser and six five by 55 Mauser and all these early smokeless powered cartridges People were absolutely gobsmacked 
in the, like in the old hunting journals, you can read it. They are blown away by how effective they are at taking aim as compared to their old big bore guns, like 4570 and, you know, and 9.3 labels and stuff like that, that were lead bullets going 1800 feet a second. All of a sudden now 3000 feet per second hitting a game animal blew their mind as to what damage was created and how lethal they were. Right. Speed, like Jacob right. said, speed is what kills. Yeah, this speed right. is what kills. But so, yeah, well, cool, so let's, brother. Let's get past the idea of of you know asking a bullet to behave like it did in 1859 with Claude Monet and the mini bull. Yeah, I don't know what any of that shit is, but I'll take your word for it. I believe you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I okay. believe you. Listen to him. Listen to this guy, not me. Um, but you know it's. Guys, if a hunting situation, I mean, I don't know your situation. If it's a a deer or an animal of a lifetime, if I asked you, would you pay 40 more cent for that shot for you have gotten that game? There's not a person listening to this that wouldn't say, fuck yeah, I'd have paid 40. You shot and you may not have recovered that animal. Now, you may be a shitty shot, but let's say the shot went where it was supposed to go. Um, if know. the shot went where you pointed it, <clears throat> right? If the shot went where you pointed it and the bullet didn't do its job, that's one thing. If right. the shot were, were where you pointed it, at like and the bullet blew up, <clears throat> blew up or came apart before it hit something vital, that's a problem with the bullet. Unless, of course, you're trying to take like a 300 Ultra Mag and shoot something at 15 yards. Like, it's just, you know, jacketed bullets don't survive that. None of them do. Right. But, you know, if you go to take the shot and you put it where it belongs, and then, you know, you have a better chance of making the shot in the wind, making the shot because you have a marginal angle, but because of the penetration that comes from a solid that sticks together, you can get to the vitals. Right. You aim for the exit. You figure out what you're shooting through, not where you want to contact it. That's there. And I, I got a text message. I, I'll send it to you. I don't know how to post it. I've, I've posted it to other people. And Jeff saw this video, by the way. Jeff saw this video when I was down a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> and we were having lunch. And he goes, oh, my God. Like, it blew his mind. Guy had a marginal shot available on an elk in New Mexico. Really, really nice elk. Big bull. About 750 yards. Yeah. 300 WSM. He goes, honestly, I knew he shot a mule deer and a couple of does back in South Carolina, whitetails, and he knew that they were going to penetrate. He goes, I I would never have been able to take the shot on that animal if I did not know that your bullet was going to penetrate like a dick. Because what he had was a walking away, aimed down on the animal. He had to shoot through the spine and the, and the big, thick hump on the back of a bull. And it, <clears throat> it traversed at a shallow angle. It went in, it broke the neck, it hit the arteries in the neck. And the, I mean, the blood loss was a, just abysmal. It looked like somebody took a gallon can of paint and just sort of like threw a gallon can of paint around on the rock until the paint can was empty. <laughs> And he said the bull lasted about 10 steps. Never would have taken that shot with a conventional bullet. Right. Yep. Bleed the bullet. 
Believe the uh, bullet. Yep, there you go. Well, Josh, I appreciate you coming on and being an easy guest for yeah. for my fucking um, return. Your grand reopening? Right, I guess so. I don't fucking know. I got nobody to blame but me. <laughs> so guys, I'm sorry. If you're listening to this, I really do appreciate y'all sticking around and waiting for the podcast to actually move. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best, guys. And, and I will be getting you guys more content, more stuff to listen to. Uh, but as always, I appreciate everybody, the downloads and the comments and the likes and all that jazz. But do me a favor, go to PatriotValleyArms.com. Check out these bullets. Check out the, the my, my, my favorite product of yours now at this point is going to be that muzzle, Jimmy. I can't wait. I can't wait to get one. It's just going to make life easy. I'm all about making life easier. So go yep. pick you up one. They're thirty five bucks, and the plug is twenty five bucks, and it's got a lot of your big popular match and hunting cartridges available, and more are coming online here whenever he gets them finished and nitrided or whatever yep. you're doing to them. So we'll catch you on the next one, buddy, and we'll uh, we will see you. Um, we'll see you soon. I'm sure. Sure, yeah. we'll be making a trip up. You'll yep. be making a trip down. Either one. So for sure. All right, guys. Looking forward to it. Have a good night, guys. And as always, thanks. Peace.